Hello and welcome to The Vicar's Watch Dibley. The podcast where real priests talk about pop culture and what we've learned about faith, life and the church. We've watched Dibley and now we're watching everything else. I'm Kate. I'm Ross. And I'm Ruthie. And today we are talking about the film When Harry Met Sally. We talk about relationships and fate and uh, are the two intertwined? How does God work in the world? And these two are very rude about Hallmark movies constantly because I made them watch them last time. So if you want to hear me get ripped into throughout an entire episode, this is the one for you. Happy hello to you all. Hello. Hiya. We're in our vicarages and you're listening in. We're ready and raring to talk about when Harry met Sally. But first of all, uh, we've got some notices just to... Oh, my voice has suddenly gone squeaky, mm. which I think is probably from the amount of carol services that I've done. <laughs> and my throat is a mess now. Um, uh, we were going to talk a bit about open houses and... Kate, you've just had a, an open house, used your vicarage to mm. wish everyone a, a jolly, happy mince pie field Christmas. How did it go? Yeah, so I've been wanting to do this. This is my third Christmas, believe it or not, um, in, in my parishes, which is incredibly crazy. Um, so I've wanted to do this the past two years um, just because I have far too many um parishes to do one set to do like a separate party for each of my pccs so i have an open evening um an open house where i just said to all my pccs and to my neighbors to keep them sweet as well um that between five and eight uh i'd have mulled wine and mince pies if they wanted to come along so i spent most of yesterday cleaning the house, mopping the floors, um, <laughs> tidying the dining room, which is usually my craft room and is, is, is usually a disaster zone, and um, going on an emergency run to Tesco's because I didn't think I had enough mince pies. But it was really nice. I had far too many mince pies. Um, and um, I, ca- I got highly... I can highly recommend Sainsbury's... Um, own brand mulled wine not even their finest Ooh, version yeah. um because everyone said this is really nice did you make this yourself <laughs> so um, <laughs> that's the hack for anyone this is my recipe um into a slow cooker two and a half bottles of uh, sainsbury's basic mulled wine um plus uh half a carton of orange juice and some cut up pieces yeah. of or- orange and apparently that tastes incredible people can taste the difference to the connoisseur yeah they can taste uh, the difference so yeah that was really fun it's probably going to become an annual thing um just yeah. nice to do some hospitality but ruthie you think you're also doing this as well aren't you I am, but not for my churches yet because I'm planning on doing something in the new year as a kind of thank you for all the stuff mm. they've done over Christmas. Because I'm brand new here, I've invited the street to come along to, um, uh, yeah, to hang out, get to know our neighbours, and mm. um, yeah. So I need to manically clean the vicarage today <laughs> after yeah. we finish yeah. recording. Um, but because I live on a slightly weird street, it's like a T junction. So, like, you'd come up the road and into the middle of the street and either go right or left 
depending mm. on which way you live. So people on one side of the street don't know each other, and the people on the mm. other side of the street know each other. And it's like, it, yeah, it's bizarre. So, um, yeah, hopefully it'll be really good. But I probably slightly foolishly have set the time from three till eight. Ooh. Wow, a whole five hours. <laughs> five hours. Well, well, I I did think if people come in because there's some kids in in the street that mm. actually if they come over after school then they can go back and have tea after and yeah, yeah. and that kind of thing. But uh, actually, if grown ups would have come later from work, then they can do that. So mm. that was my thinking. But whether it gets to eight o'clock, and I'm just like. Everyone leave now. <laughs> we'll see. But I'm excited about it. It's going to be good. Yeah. Nice. Ross, have you yeah. ever done something like this? Yeah. So when I became a vicar, I started, I, um, I started in COVID. But uh, something that I did, we, so I couldn't have people all over um, until around the October time. So that was when I was properly licensed. Um, and we had a gazebo in the garden. It was October time. Um, and... Uh, so yeah, we had a whole load of people over then, and a, and a whole load of people didn't know the vicarage. The vicarage has been used by a different parish. So people were happy mm. to come over then. Um, and then the following year, I did. I like to do a purple party usually, which is sort Ooh. of so uh, the night before Advent one, mm. having a purple uh. party. Uh, mm. And we did it in church the first year because it was a larger space. We all got fish and chips, and then the mm. second year, oh, um, I had it at the vicarage. And uh, everyone could wear purple if they wanted to, and well, as, um, just as we get into the se- into the Advent season, really. Um, so last year we did that. We played some. Some of us played some board games. I think we played Articulate or something like that. And uh, oh, great game. Um, uh, but yeah, I haven't done it this year. Uh, partly because we used the purple party opportunity to watch Muppets Christmas Carol, which we've been mm. using in our Advent you know, during uh, Advent Sunday services. We've been reflecting on songs. And some people That's had cool. never seen it before. So I was like, well, what? Let's, let's what? not do the purple party this year. Let's watch Muppet Christmas Carol instead. So, mm. um, so yeah. That's that kind of nice. what I've been doing, I guess, when it comes to having people around. Mm. Yeah. yeah, well, so I don't know about you two, but I'm sort of still in a bit of a party mood. And I feel that that ties in really well with the film that we're talking about today, uh-huh. which yeah. is... When Harry Met Sally, which is one of my all-time favourite movies. And for me, um, we're recording this just before Christmas, but for me, When Harry Met Sally is a New Year's movie um, because they go to a few New Year's parties at key points during the story. Um, And yeah, it just feels like it fits with that kind of party mood. And I wonder, listeners, if you're also in a little bit of a party mood, because this is coming out around New Year's. I hope you're all wearing sparkles. I mean, I pretty much constantly wear glittery things Mm. and terrible Christmas jumpers from about, (laughs) well, the 1st of December onwards, to be honest. Let's be real about this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've been invited to a New Year party this year where the the costume is glitter and sparkles. Oh, so I've got dream. I've got a fabulous jacket for that. But, I'm sure uh, you do. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So, Kate, you brought When Harry Met Sally. So tell us a bit about it for those mm-hmm. who haven't seen this masterpiece of the film. So, When Harry Met Sally was released in 1989. Um, that's the year before I was born. Same. Um, just, just, yeah, yeah. Um, it stars Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan as the eponymous 
That's a good word. What eponymous. does eponymous mean? <laughs> <As the> eponymous, <laughs> Harry and Sally. Um, ep- eponymous means um, that the thing is named after Oh, them. right, okay. So, um, yeah, so the book Emma... Is eponymous. Is, ba- is The main character is the eponymous Oh, I'm going to use that in a sentence and sound clever. Yeah, it's a good word. <laughs> word of the day. New new corner, new segment to a podcast. Kate's <laughs> word of the day. Like Susie Dent. <laughs> so anyway, um, Harry and Sally. Um, the film toys with the idea of soul- soulmates and fated love. Um the last episode you will have listened to, aside from the Carol, uh, Carol cast, will probably have been our Hallmark mm. episode. And I think this is a bit of a kind of response to the type of romance story that Hallmark Basically, tells. Kate's mad that I made her watch Hallmark Christmas movies. And so she's come <laughs> up with a higher calibre of romance around Christmas. Is that right? Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe. I watched yeah, another maybe. one yesterday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, ba- yeah, basically, it's it's a story, um, a, a love story, which is told over fifteen years. Um, I think that's that's a time frame. There's there's a number of time skips, and um, Harry and Sally meet three times for the first time. If that mm. makes sense, the first time they meet, um, they don't like each other. They go on a cross country trip, um, both moving to New York after university. Sorry, or college, college, I think. Um, yeah. College. Um, then they meet again by chance five years later in an airport and I, and I sat uh, near each other on a plane um, and we still don't really like each other. Um, then um, they meet again five years later. Both of their long-term relationships have um, ended um, and quite, you know, they're both quite torn up about that. And at that point, they actually, they bond over kind of recovering and, and being single again after a long time being in a relationship and we become really good friends. Um, then they have a falling out and then they realise that they love each other and Spoilers. they get together. And is a story about, is a story about um, having friendship first and that friendship growing into something deeper and it's also a story about how instead of perhaps having that fated moment where you meet each other your eyes lock across a room and you realize that you're that's a person you're meant to spend the rest of your life with it's growing into the realization that this is someone who um who you love and you uh, want to um, journey through life together mm. with and it's interspersed with little interviews um, little vox pop interviews with couples who have those more traditional kind of hallmark maybe romances of um, we you know saw them from across the room and I knew that that's and I said to my friend I'm going to marry that girl or we were high school sweethearts and we've been together ever since. Yeah. Or And they start to get a bit more complex as the movie goes on. There's a couple who, they were married and then they, then they divorced and the guy married a couple more times um, and, and got divorced a couple more times and then they met again and then got remarried and decided to spend the rest of their lives together. And there's also a couple who had an arranged yeah. marriage as well and that's really worked out for them. Um, and we finish with... The, the movie ends with Harry and Sally being interviewed for this, whatever this documentary is, and t- and telling th- their story of multiple encounters and learning to like each other. Watching those 
little Vox Pops back. Some mm. of them are really lovely and really cute. And then other ones you're like, y- mm. you just harassed this woman to, to go out with you. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's, yeah, that's which... my modern eyes seeing it and going, just leave the woman yeah. alone. She said no. <laughs> uh, um, you could say that about maybe kind of Hallmark oh, yeah, romance. Absolutely. I, yeah. I saw... I saw... <laughs> I, I saw I saw a Instagram reel, which is actually probably originally a TikTok. 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 My goodness, how old am I? I saw one yesterday, which was I think I sent it to you, Ruthie, which was about a woman giving a warning to women returning to their hometowns and how men in flannel would try to approach them and drag them down and tie them back. <laughs> yeah. I think there's something really uh, about uh, you said that you know said how, when mm. Harry Met Sally is a story told over 15 years, mm. whilst uh, a lot of Hallmark movies are told over the course of 15 hours. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, five days max. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it, it's. I think at least for me, it feels a lot more realistic. Yeah, and they have their ups and downs, and also their disagreements mm. and the things which force them apart feel a lot more realistic than sometimes I think the contrived in any type of romance media you know whether it's um a book or or a movie um that kind of 70% of a way through a romance story you know there's going to be a misunderstanding that could have been solved by a phone call or a text or a conversation I read um an article from the director who talks about Mm. that and that the focus of the relationship, they, there isn't outside factors mm. in the way that, you know, one of them goes off as an, has an affair or, you know, there's not those kind mm. of outside misunderstandings so that they have to focus yeah. on the relationship and the friendship that they mm. have and it's not dictated by other forces, which I thought was really, really good. Yeah, and the misunderstanding they or the fallout they have is actually a legitimate fallout. Yeah. And... And, and, you know, Harry does try to reach out to Sally um, and is persistent in trying to make amends as well. Um, but they also both realise that there's still learning to happen. Mm. Um, I, it's, it's a story which is very character-driven rather than mm. plot-driven. And yeah. that's a difference, again, with Hallmark movies. It's like, okay, mm. what's what's the twist going to be uh, on, yeah. on this narrative? What's uh, How are we going to make this mm. narrative unique? Um, and you could cast uh, any any actor because basically it's mm. going to be it's it's the same character. You you know it, it, they are the trope uh, of mm. uh, businesswoman uh, who doesn't like mm. Christmas comes back to home to, you know and here's the man in flannel yeah. kind of thing. Whilst actually yeah. what we get through Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan are mm. Harry and Sally who yeah. encounter each other. Uh, and and that changes as the characters mm. grow, um, and as the characters age mm. and and, uh, and and experience the fullness of mm. life, uh, and and that changes the way they relate to the world and to each other. Mm. Um, and actually, mm. it's a much more. Sorry, Ruthie. I feel like I'm just. Uh, I feel uh, like... You know, I, I feel like I'm slamming Hallmark movies, yeah. and I'm not because actually we had a lot of good to say say about them last time. It's like um, mean but girls. there's something about when Harry. <laughs> I'm personalised victim uh, I, of I Regina they... George. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they fill or they they fill different hungers, as it were. Yeah. Where I think that kind of insta romance, um, it 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 fills like that desire for 
fairy tale and everything's going to be all right and you know actually there is a plan in life and one day I'm going to run into the love of my life and it's all going to be roses and sunshine mm. and it's going to be really lovely whereas I think when Harry met Sally is is more of a sense of okay things may not quite be mapped out in the stars and life is difficult and um, both Harry and Sally have very realistic personalities and struggles you know Harry I think even from the first time we meet him when he says he think he's you know he thinks about death he does yeah. he reads the last page of a novel first just in case he dies before he finishes reading a book he always wants to know the ending so he and he's we see him struggle with depression mm. or at least reference struggling with depression um throughout the movie and i think sally as well um i think there's a way of reading her character where you could say that mm. um there's some neurodiversity there it, cool. in particularly in the way that she is um, very particular about sensory things. Um, so what, 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 why she orders her food for the way she does. Yeah. We later learn there's an aside comment um, about because some people don't like the feeling mm. of having sauce like on the food. Um, and also just some of her habits, like we see a, there's a scene where she's posting stuff into oh, she's posting letters yes. and she has to check every letter before yeah. she puts it in and then check that it's in fallen in and i think so you can see whether that's kind of ocd or whether that's being um on on the uh, autism spectrum a little bit i don't think it's explicit mm. but there's a way of reading into that where you see that the way that she's experiencing the world at at the very least, is incredibly different yeah. to the way that Harry experiences the world. And they're negotiating that difference. Um, and I think that's really interesting mm. and compelling. It's more it's slow burn romance. Um, and I think it's a sort of thing where, yeah, it, instead of that, everything's going to be all right, there's a plan. It's, well, there may not be, things may not be written in the stars, but things are still going to kind of work out all right for us yeah. if we work hard to journey together Do you, would you agree yeah and i think it's a far more realistic expectation of a relationship and having those time jumps enables uh, us to see that mm. um because you know suddenly deciding that you're mm. in love with someone and you know you're gonna work at it and all of this after knowing each other for five days mm. i mean I do know of couples who've done that mm. and are still together years and years later, but actually you do, you're kind of growing a relationship mm, and friendship mm. uh, after being married, <laughs> which actually, I guess, you know, those who are mm, uh, mm. have uh, arranged marriages have actually, you know, people mm. help you to decide on a partner who has same values and that kind of thing. And um, I think I've watched mm, lots of these mm. Jewish mash matchmaker and Indian matchmaker on Netflix. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but then they still talk about the spark, don't mm -hmm. they? Yeah. In, in a way, it when I was thinking about this movie, it reminds me almost of the Book of Ruth in the Bible and of some of the other romance stories we see in the Bible, which... Some sometimes the way they're told, they're told as these great romance stories, you know. Oh, um, Ruth and Boaz have their happily ever after. It was fated, but actually, if you actually read the book, it's very zoomed out, and Ruth starts the narrative mm. um, married to someone else, uh, and he passes yeah. away, 
Um, and both Naomi, that's a recent mother-in-law, and Orpah, Orp, that's her sister-in-law, um, all three of their husbands pass away. And they're left in this place of uncertainty and great sorrow um, to a point that yeah. Naomi renames, renames herself Mara, um, which means bitter. Um, and then they start journeying um, to um, Naomi's hometown. Um, which to is find, Bethlehem, isn't it? Yeah, to find new stability. Yeah. And because actually um, Ruth and Boaz go on to be um, some of Jesus' ancestors. Um but I think what we see there is there is a bit of a practicality in um, Naomi helps bring Ruth and Boaz together. And I think God helps bring Ruth and Boaz together. Um, but it's not really a he saw her across the room and was mm. instantly in love with her. He was interested in her when he saw her yeah. picking up the wheat, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the discarded bits. But it was kind of more of an interest and when um yeah it's i just find it really interesting that it's not quite the kind of hollywood fairy tale romance that you might necessarily get it's made me think uh, of mary and joseph and of course we've just mm, mm, journeyed mm. with them uh through to christmas and, and beyond mm. a little bit um, and often that may be painted as uh, a romantic relationship when it's uh, mm. made into film uh, but there's no evidence of that. It was mm. they were betrothed. It was likely mm. to have been some kind of an arranged marriage. And and when Mary was found to be mm. with child, uh, Joseph was going to privately dismiss her. Mm. Um, but actually, what God leads Joseph to yeah. do is to stand by her, to love mm. her, and look after her. Uh, and and there is something in there to be honourable. Yeah. To be honourable, yeah, yeah. Mm. and. There's something in there about the discipline of love and the discipline mm. of a relationship. Yeah. Um, of actually, we are betrothed. We're going to mm. see this through together. Uh, you and yeah. your divine sprog. <laughs> yeah. And there's something about, for me, actually, there's something much more. Um, I'm trying to find the right word for this, but I, I, I find it much more inspiring or something much more to aspire to where you see couples who have chosen to keep loving each other and keep being together. You know, I think um, it's really easy to be in love when you're in those first stages of a relationship, in that first flush of love and a relationship. Um, but then, life, then things get different because difficult because as you grow, you change. Um and your relationship will change. And and sometimes that change means that couples then um you don't recognise the love that you first had. Uh, but but there's something in the discipline of saying, No, I mm. I'm going to choose to continue loving this person. I'm going to get to know them in their change and their growth. Um and we're going to learn how our relationship has changed um as we've continued together. I do just want to make a quick disclaimer mm. that this is not a reason to stay in a relationship that is abusive. Absolutely. Um, but I think there is something about sticking together when times are tough. And that's because, I mean, that's what we say in the marriage vows, aren't we? About for better, for worse, for yeah. richer, for poorer. You know, mm. there are circumstances absolutely where you should get out yeah. of a toxic relationship. Um, mm. But there are other times when it is not a toxic situation. Mm, mm, mm. Actually, when things go through a rough yeah. patch, it's worth 
sticking together, but it requires mm. both parties to want to do that and to go yeah. for it. Yes. Yeah. Or, or boredom, for example, as well, you know, or, you know, this just isn't as exciting as it was when we no, were first together. No, because you've together. now got a mortgage it, you or, know. you know, you spent your evening doing your taxes or... Yeah, yeah. And actually, the romance you get is a, you know... Mm. Bringing it back to Harry and Sally, um, this is something where we see, um, actually, so in the midpoint of a film where Harry has been married and Sally mm. has been in a long-term relationship with someone... And they both had that moment where um, Harry's wife said, I don't want to be married anymore. Um, um, And then Sally has a realisation that with her partner, where they'd been saying, oh, we don't want to get married because we don't want to be that couple who have to have kids and then we can never do anything exciting. We can never go to Paris, you know, on the drop of a hat. And she looks back and says, well, we never did, you know. Yeah. There's something there as well about where their relationships, those first relationships, which they thought were lifelong, changed. And um, to continue would have required the cooperation of both partners. And what we saw Mm. was a complete disagreement. You know, their relationships broke down because there was a fundamental disagreement about where the directions their relationships should go in. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And mm. I, and t- I, one thought going through my head was about when does the adventure start? Yeah. And I think for uh, in a lot of media, uh, mm. sorry, Ruthie, uh, with, you know, <laughs> with, with, with Hallmark movies, <laughs> weddings are the climax. They are the fairy tale happy ending. Uh, whilst I get with the sense with with, with when Harry met Sally, mm. it does much. It feels more like the adventure yeah. begins with their marriage i suppose yeah uh it their marriage is an expression of the love that they have for one another mm. as opposed to their wedding being the climax of an adventure uh relationship mm. which i think allows them mm. a relationship that will continue to grow and thrive and flourish because they mm. are committed to doing it all together everything that life throws yeah. at them or, or counter, or, or building on that, I think their spark begins with friendship. And particularly, there's a scene of them on a friend date where Harry says, we're now going to talk like this. And he does a funny Pick voice. Pick up, bye. Pick up, bye. That was a pie. totally improvised Pizza. scene, by the way. Yeah. Meg Ryan had no idea. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Meg Ryan had no idea yeah. that uh, mm. Vinnie Crystal was going to do that. Mm. And there's a moment where you can see her... Um, look off mm. camera and that's her catching the eye of the director yeah. saying do I play along what do I yeah, do yeah. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. she goes in with it and uh, yeah. and I think that's that's probably part of the scene because actually yeah. Billy and Meg are, are friends or co-stars yeah, or whatever yeah. that actually they can relax into each other yeah. and we see that reflected in Harry and Sally sorry Kate yeah. I just jumped yeah, so, on so your there's point that, there's that spark of friendship isn't there where suddenly yes, these two people can really get on and they can bounce mm. off of each other in kind of, and there's something there which will continue to develop, but actually, their love is grounded in friendship. Which the whole question that Billy is posing throughout oh, it's not Billy, that Harry is posing from the start of the movie is he says men and women can't be friends because man always wants to have sex with the woman, or he's saying so. There's the something there where he thinks men and women can't be friends because sex gets in the way. Um. Um, whereas actually, um, for them, 
um, men, they are friends and then the romance comes as building on top of but their friendship remains and it actually eventually eventually strength strengthens their friendship um because they are in love and their whole relationship gets strengthened by the combination of friendship and romance but um sally has a very contrasting view to him where she doesn't want to be intimate with anyone that she doesn't have um, an emotional connection with but she she only wants to have sex when it's making love um yeah and, and so it's interesting seeing them journey towards each other and realizing kind of what that actually means for them um it's, it's a beautiful story and actually what's really interesting perhaps is that in when when harry and sally do mm. have sex they mm. do it for the opposite reasons yeah yeah so for sally yeah. it is much more mm. we're ha- you know we're you know i'm in this dark place and i just want to mm. have sex whilst for harry it's probably much more well actually there's an intimate relationship here and this is an expression of yeah. our friendship um and and it spooks both of them it spooks both of them and actually yeah. they, they, mm. the, their fallout is more because they have surprised themselves yeah uh, but they didn't it wasn't something that they'd considered could actually be part of their relationship Um, because they thought they were really good friends and I think underneath they knew they were attracted to each other there's a scene at a new year's party of them dancing together and you can see on Harry's face a kind of like oh shit I love this woman moment right you see that and I think we both see them have moments of oh but it's it's only when they've kind of spontaneously she's she Sally is feeling really vulnerable. She calls Harry to come over and be comfort, um, and it it becomes an intimate moment. Um, yeah. And then Harry runs off because he's completely spooked in the morning, and Sally's spooked in a in her own way where she kind of doesn't like that he's run off. And in any way, it forces them to confront this question of can we be friends? Is and also romantic well i don't know if they they want to be romantic at that point i think it's whether they can go back to being friends because neither of them wants to admit that Mm. actually in lots of ways they have been dating as friends in different ways that you know they've got that intimacy of relationship yeah and what's interesting is at the same moment so what we haven't talked about is at the same time there's a kind of a subplot although with these two characters um who are their best friends so you've got um jess who is harry's best friend and is it marie yeah yeah marie who is sally's best friend and you also see they're also quite filled out and you see their story although it's not the focus so you have marie who the first time we meet her she's telling sally sally um she's having they're having a girl's lunch or brunch or whatever and she says you know sally's just broken up with her long-time partner and doesn't really want to get into the dating game and she says the right man for you might be right right uh might be out there right now and if you don't grab him someone else will and you have to spend the rest of your life knowing that someone else is married to your husband that's Um, such a dangerous way to think think, right it's very much kind of there is one person who you are fated for at the same time she is in a relationship Mm. with a married man um and she's despairing over that because deep down she knows that he's not going to leave her his wife and all her friends are telling yeah. her that. But she's clinging on to hope that this is the man yeah. for her. I think she's 
still stuck on that fated love thing. Um, Harry and Sally, once they've become friends, then set up their best friend... Set up... Harry sets Sally up with his best friend, Jess, and Sally sets um, Harry up Marie. with his... his... Yeah. <laughs> with Marie, yeah. I got myself confused there. Um, um, and uh, Jess and Marie have this moment of Marie quotes something Jess yeah. has written and they say, they think, oh, this is amazing. We're fated to be together. And they run off into the night together. They <laughs> move in, they get married to each other. Um, and then when Harry and Sally have had this falling out and, and had this, have this crisis really in what, about what their relationship is, um, they both call um, Jess and Marie and we have a scene of, them both answering the phone from bed and talking to having separate conversations um realizing what has happened and initially being elated that harry and sally have finally broken this tension Mm. and gotten together because they see them as a fated couple and they say oh we've been praying for it we've been praying for this to happen i didn't realize i hadn't come to that before yeah yeah And and i don't know about you but this brought up a whole load of i don't want to use trauma i think trauma isn't quite the word but remembering times or particularly in my early 20s when I was a lot more anxious about being single Um, and people saying to me oh don't worry um, because um, God has plans for you to prosper and not to perish it's the only way to prosper (laughs) (laughs) misusing that Jeremiah Um, um, and and God has God has someone for you you just haven't met him yet Um, but you will meet him um and and this sense of and and like things like um have it someone saying to me i've been praying for you to meet your husband um and there's there's something there which is you know god is orchestrating our relationships for us and planning <laughs> them out which lead yeah well yeah and actually but but work to some extent worse than that because mm. uh because of the sort of the free will nature of things to some extent we yeah. we we have to discern what is the right thing and i mm. i still have this residual sort of thing in my head sometimes mm-hmm. when i'm walking home and i'm thinking oh okay am i going to go this way or that way yeah. and, and and part of me is like okay which way does mm. god want me to go and mm. ultimately what it comes down to is because if i go that way maybe i mm. will bump into the love of my life yeah and that's so unhelpful because mm. actually i'm just walking yeah. home yeah, um, and you know, yeah. I, and I, it could be that I walk one way and I get mugged. I walk the other way. I don't. Um, but mm. I, I do think that there is something. Maybe it's not just Christianity. Maybe it's also mm. Disney. I don't know. But or Hallmark. Certain, or Hallmark. <laughs> All um, right. <laughs> <laughs> but there is something about uh, an unhealthy mm. pressure that can be put upon young Christians that mm. your life is about a relationship uh, with another human being. Probably uh, the expectation is that person is of the opposite sex mm. and gender to you, mm, mm. Uh, and uh, you're going to, I think, to quote Love Actually, um, get married and have lots of sex <laughs> and babies, mm. and uh, and and that's such an unhelpful way of looking yeah. at life, because I don't believe it is all mapped out for us. Well, no, we're going to move to yeah. that conversation, Ruthie. You wanted to say something. I just had a. a... 
an amusing flashback to one of these kind of fated people telling us mm. uh, that we were going to meet our partners and all this kind of stuff. Mm. And this is before I met my partner. Um, I met someone that I was teaching on a conference with uh, mm. the first time I met her. And she said, oh, I recognise your name. I think I've met your husband. And I went, oh, that's news to me. That's very exciting. Mm-mm. Who is he? <laughs> uh, oh, it, mm-hmm. it's this chap. Um Oh no, that's that's my dad. Oh. <laughs> I don't know who that's worse yeah. for me or my dad. <laughs> but 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 you yeah, but you have those moments or, or have I've had those moments where you think, is this a message from God? Does this person like without yeah. realizing oh. are they giving me a sign? Am I getting a sign? Am I getting a name here? Because yeah. there was a time where I really thought that God had given me a name. Oh really? Um like it was literally for like a few months, and when I thought, oh no, that's stupid, um, and and it wasn't and it wasn't a name of anyone I knew. So, but so actually, there's still a part of me that thinks, oh maybe. Um, I think my name was Liam. So if you know, any Liams out like, there, any any Liams out there, or Williams, um, it's nonsense, say, right? Drop a DM into our uh, socials, and, uh... <laughs> it's not. It's like it's something which uh, which is actually a really harmful thing to have, mm. or or you know, having known people who they've had said, I think so and so is my who I'm meant to be with and that hasn't happened and it's completely yeah. destroyed them. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, it's a really unhelpful thing mm. to have in your head. So, which which brings me to um, a conversation, the, 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 the theological conversation I wanted to have about this movie. We've already had some such wonderful discussions. Mm. Um, is I want to talk about fate and destiny, um, which kind of theologically we might call... Um, like predestination. Yeah, predestination or divine providence. So um, predestination and divine providence um, play with the idea or or question how much God intervenes in the universe, specifically in human lives and um, in in a very specific way. um, Has God already decided who is saved? Um, But also how much does God plan out our lives and control our lives um and it's it's working out the balance between fate and destiny and how much god has a plan and it's already been decided versus free will um Mm. which are two things which are mentioned in scripture and in tradition um and the question is what is the balance of here these and how do they interact with each other um i read this book in preparation um, called Four Views on Divine Providence, um, which has four contributors. Um, the four views that they put forward in this book are firstly that God controls all things, everything is planned out, um, and they talk about the comfort of this being that we don't need to be scared or worried about what's going to happen because it's all in God's plan. And they use an example of someone who, I think it was uh, in, in an, an army general who was known for being incredibly brave. And when asked about why he's so brave, he says, well, because God has already predetermined when I'm going to die. So, you know, I don't need to be scared because I know it's all in God's hands. Mm. Um, that, that's kind of God controls all things. Then as God directs all things, so the idea that God knows all the hypothetical realities and then chooses which path is the best. So God knows all the possible choices we make and then kind of directs chooses the best choice for us to make i think that's what they were saying um 
directing the best possible course for history. Um, the third being that God um, controls by liberating. This was the one I found hardest to actually understand exactly what he was saying. Um, but the idea that God wor works before, through, with, inside, around and after human working to accomplish his will. And that actually liberation is freeing us from the things um, in the world which are controlling us and controlling our decisions. I think that's, this is Ron Highfield, I think that's what he was saying. Fourth one was that God um, limits his control, it's called open providence, um, and that there are, many, there are many possible futures, but at the end, um, there's always the same ending, which is that God, good triumphs over evil and God wins. We are free agents, um, but the, the conclusion of all history is with God. And he says um, it's a bit like a choose-your-own-adventure novel, but with the ending always the same. Um, I'm not sure I 100% agree with any of these. I think um, mm. I, I saw a really impactful um videoed talk by rob bell called everything is spiritual um where he talks about god existing beyond linear time and, and it, god experiences time differently whereas for us it, time might feel like a straight line god is kind of in that extra dimensional experience um and i quite like that you know god isn't limited by linear progression of time and sees all of time and space at the same time and is in every moment. Well, God's ways um, are higher than our ways. God's yeah. thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Exactly. Also, I'm I'm into sci-fi, and so like I, I I do think about multiverse theory a bit, <laughs> and the idea that for every decision made, that same decision is also made, and it kind of there's an addi additional reality out there where the alternate decision was made. And I think God exists across all realities and across all possibilities. I mean, I think in pastoral ministry, that's that's mm. that makes the most sense to me. Uh, mm. I, I really struggle with a lot of... And it's something I'm working through at the moment, actually, the whole mm. interventionist nature of God. How much does God intervene? And mm. I remember mm. when we were at college, uh, there was a couple who went away with one break and they came back and they'd been on holiday. And uh, mm. they'd had horrible weather uh, the whole time. But on one particular day, they were going to climb a mountain. And um, and they prayed for really good weather. Um, and they mm. got to the top of the mountain and it was beautiful weather. And it was just such an answer to prayer. Mm. And, um, and, and, and I hear those stories and I think how wonderful it is you had that encounter or that experience. Mm. But what does that mean for... Uh, you know, how does that speak? How does that offer hope and good news to people who are starving in East Africa, yeah. to people who are yeah. suffering at the hands of genocide, to uh, to a mother who's just lost uh, their baby? Mm. Uh, and actually, where is God in that? Mm. Um, pastoral ministry would be recognizing that actually God is in their suffering mm. with you. Mm. When we mm. weep, God weeps, and yeah. Um, and, and I keep coming back to this this phrase at the moment, which is uh, about our heart breaking for what mm. breaks God's and mm -hmm. vice versa. Um, and um, I don't believe that everything is, you know, that, that everything has that everything happens for a reason. Mm. A lot of people mm. say that, but I don't think it's true. Uh, I think yeah. things happen uh, and we we make a story out of it. We find reason. Mm. But mm. um but actually, God is there with us as we work it out and as we yeah. live through it. 
Ruthie, I think you were going to say something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just uh, wanted to say as well, but it might seem trite as a, a kind of story about the, the sunshine on the mountaintop, but mm-hmm. to totally dismiss it suggests that God isn't interested in the small, and I would mm. disagree with that. Yep. That actually, yes, there are big things in the world that are going on, and God is definitely invested in that and is suffering along with that too. But actually, mm. God also deals in small, and it's because I've I've heard people say, "Oh, I, you know, I can't pray about this little thing because God's not interested in that because there's much bigger things going on in the world." Mm. I think God's interested in every part of our lives, whether mm. that's big or small or everything in between, um, and so to not totally re- disregard that. I think there's a danger if we do. Yeah, yeah, no, and, yeah. and I think I'm I'm working out where do I find God holding all mm. of human experience at the moment, and, yeah. and, it's, something, and, it, and it's something mm. I'm wrestling with, and I think it's something that I will continue to wrestle with. Yeah. But but that is my example of of one end of yeah, um, yeah. Uh, of you know, and, and that's that's my mm. anecdote of a particular understanding, I suppose. Um, yeah, I'm, I I think. The, the the big problem we face whenever we talk about um, God's ultimate control over the universe is suffering and why the type of suffering we see in the world. Um, particularly, I know um, Stephen Fry has been interviewed and asked, Stephen Fry, very well known to be atheist, um, and asked, well, what if when you die you meet God? What happens then? And Stephen said, well, I want to ask God cancer in children. Why is that? Um, so there's something about there are, there are, suffering is all suffering is bad, but there are specific sufferings which are so overwhelmingly heartbreaking and distressing that, that it makes it impossible for me to believe in a God who would um, control things so that that happens. Um, I think for me, where I land is that it is that sense of incarnation and God being with us in all of the suffering um, and all in our small moments, moments as well. So that when we pray, we are drawing closer to God and drawing and God is drawing closer to us and helping us understand the things that are happening around us. Um, not necessarily changing the things around us, but changing us. And because we change our experience of the things around, around us change. So if we take that example of... Um, praying for good weather um um whether or not god specifically changes that weather i don't know because actually that weather change if god is doing something like that that could potentially be catastrophic for someone who's actually really relying on there being rain you know you know let's say agriculture if someone prays every day for good weather for a year and knows good weather for a year that would be catastrophic um, for anyone trying to grow food uh, and there's always knock-on effects um, but does God change our experience of well there was good weather so actually I really now appreciate that there is good weather and I feel thankful for that or if it hadn't rained having prayed for there to be good weather um, but drawn closer to God in that process would there be would you be actively seeking then for the sunshine despite the rain or for those good moments in the bad weather um i think there's something at least for me i think that's where i land is that god is with us experiencing our pain and sharing in our pain um and beyond that 
I think it is a mystery what is happening. I know that prayer works, but I think maybe prayer works by changing the self more necessarily than changing the things around you. But then again, I do think there are times where I think God has changed things in my life. So I don't know. I, I, I get You get really, really confused. I think both the most powerful prayer moment I've ever encountered was when I was feeling, it was actually, it was a time when I was feeling really down about being single. I really kind of just started ministry. I'd kind of had a moment of, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to have a normal dating life. I think this is going to be a really huge struggle for the rest of my life. Um, I, I don't know. Anyway, I had this moment of feeling really isolated where I was, not feeling like I was having even any friendships beyond anything else. And, and saying to God, why am I here? Why did I say yes to you and put myself in this situation? Um, I, this really, you know, I'm really, I feel really lonely. I feel really upset. What is happening here? And why would you do this? And I felt God saying to me, I know. And, and I'm really sad for you as well, actually. This isn't, you know, I, I don't want you to be suffering like this. I don't want you to be feeling lonely um, and feeling like there's no hope for companionship in the future um and it was just the I know that was the most powerful thing for me that I know and I'm suffering too with you um yeah I, I don't know I, I've waffled for a bit there thank you I, I think what's going through my head is uh earlier on when you're talking about Harry and Sally I think I mm. talked about the discipline mm. of the discipline of love yeah and I wonder whether there is uh, something about journeying with God, entering into that spiritual life, which is going to, mm. you know, is going to look different for each of us as we mm. personally and in community relate to God. But I wonder if there's something about the discipline of um, of faith, the discipline of love, the mm. discipline of thankfulness um, that can speak into how we relate to what's going on in mm. our lives and the lives of people around us. Yeah. Um, and um, that when it feels like we're losing control of everything that is around us or uh, mm. when we're going through hardship, uh, having that discipline of choosing to find a little thing mm. to be thankful for, a little thing to, uh, to love, um, might be mm. a way of understanding how God is with us um, and helping us to make mm. the decisions that are healthy for us to mm. make um, that, that are uh, rooted in love and kindness, compassion. Mm. Um, I've just yeah. thought of another um, story of a, a friend of mine. Her mum adopted um, three different children and on each occasion when she adopted these children, there was a rainbow in the sky. Now, did mm. God stop the weather and make sure that there was sun and mm. rain in the sky on each of these three occasions? Yes. No. It mm. doesn't It doesn't matter in some ways. For her, yeah. she saw that as a, this is mm. God blessing this relationship. And yeah. it, so now, whenever she sees a rainbow in the sky... Um, my friend, it reminds her of her mum and and this and it uh, and to the mum it mm. reminds her of the blessing of these children have been to her mm. and she sees them as a gift from God. 
Now, yeah. it can I I want to see God in the little things um as well as in the big things. You know, there are mm. things that happen that I think there's just too many coincidences for this to not have been something that God does uh, or as mm. God is involved in. And it's like it, there's there's bits in the Bible as well like um where you you can kind of see Jesus choosing where to intervene and where not to. So I remember mm. hearing a sermon once about uh, there's a, a guy who's healed by Peter and Paul who sits at the beautiful gate by the temple and he's been sat there mm. for years and years and years. Jesus will have passed that chap many, many times mm. but yeah. doesn't heal him at that point. You know, is that because God doesn't care about that person or is there a different mm. timing to it? Or, you know, is there a bigger picture as part of it? It's all it's all wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, and we don't yeah. really get it because we're not God. <laughs> Thank goodness. Mm. Um, and we can, I think, there are things that we can see God into, but it's also manipulated and used in a weapon kind of way as well, which is mm. where it gets dangerous. That You know, and where it's, I've seen God do this and therefore... Um, God must hate this or I've seen um, mm. that's an extreme example but you know oh, I've seen God bring people together in relationships so you know I've seen the perfect man for you Ross and his name will be this and you will meet him at this occasion mm. and blah, blah 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 and that's not healthy either but to disregard God working the world completely I think mm. is wrong yeah sure. yeah I, I, I think um, it's going Going back a little bit to something you said, Ross, about people seeking meaning, um, I think God is with us in the meaning and helping us to understand what's happening. Um, and God is active in the world. It's that kind of God is a redeeming force and God is seeking to redeem our circumstances. Whatever that means, you know, whether that means by being with us in them or enacting some sort of change and setting some... Uh, some um some events in motion or through changing us and um, there's a book by shane claiborne which i haven't read <laughs> in like a decade um called becoming the answer <laughs> I thought you to meant our you prayers you just hadn't read it and we're just like this that was title a very works funny pause. <laughs> no which I, which, which I haven't i haven't read in about 10 years um it's called becoming the answer to our prayers so don't trust me on the content of this book go read it to yourself um but he, he talks about how when we pray we should always expect to be the answer to that prayer that we should have to do something in response so if we're praying feed the hungry Come feed him we should expect to be the one who feeds the hungry. If we are praying, bring healing, we should be the one who expects to help bring that healing, whether through its cooperating with, you know, medical professionals or do ourselves care, you know, through caring um, and, and you know, helping people through, yeah. through the pain. Um, so there's something about as well god working with us and through us and around us and before and behind you know to go back to what ron highfield was saying but you know god is here and active and i think that's one of the things about christianity is we believe that god is here um and that yes jesus lived and died um some two thousand years ago but he's also here with us now 
working with us and around us and going places where we don't expect him to be and doing things that we're not expecting him to do. I've got, uh, you talk, you say now, it's made me think of St. Patrick's Breastplate. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if I can, uh, Christ with me, Christ mm-hmm. before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, mm-hmm. Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I rise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear mm. that hears me. Mm. God in and all. yeah, just that, the, the way yeah. that you were talking about, you know, God around us through mm. it, everything just made me think of that. And I think that's actually a really good place for us to draw to a close because I think we could keep talking about this because we we ourselves are wrestling with the questions mm. and we're seeking meaning. Absolutely. Which the whole of faith is seeking meaning and seeking understanding, faith seeking understanding. Um, but St. Patrick, Patrick's Breastplate um, or um, in the Northumbria community, they, they have a prayer that says, be, be in the face of each to of each person I meet and in the voice of each to whom I speak. Um, and I think that's where we can draw this to a close is that um, whether or not God has a plan for our life, the most important thing is that God is with us. Merry Christmas, Emmanuel. Amen. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Vicar's Watch Dibley. Thank you to Nat for editing our ramblings. Any opinions expressed are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Church of England or any other organisation with which we are affiliated. If you like our podcast, leave us a review, follow us on social media and share it with your friends. And, as always, bless you for listening. What happened when the vampire fainted at the New Year's Eve party? Um, oh, I don't Chaos? Know. I don't know. There was a countdown. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well done, well done.